Hey there, guys. Get ready for another great episode. I can't wait for you to hear my friend Carl Coward talk about everything mentoring. Remember, if finding a mentor is something that is on the top of your mind or something you're still looking to do, we have a absolutely free guide for you on how to find a mentor and most importantly, how to reach out to them. Because a lot of people, they want mentors, but they the way they reach out isn't always the most professional. We'll leave it at that. So if you want a guide, literally some email scripts that can help you get started and make sure that your request comes off in a really respectful, authentic way, which it should, uh, go to artofcoaching.com backslash find a mentor. It's in the show notes. Again, that's artofcoaching.com backslash find a mentor. We just talk about how to really find somebody that's right for you uh, because just because they have a big name doesn't mean that they'd be a good mentor. As a matter of fact, I'd say that you should find somebody that isn't a big name, isn't out there. There's so many great people. I mean, there's a reason why we continue to find diamonds in the rough for this podcast. Look to your left, look to your right, metaphorically, of course, and there is somebody there that is a worthwhile mentor for you. But you need to know how to ask. You need to know how to approach that process respectfully because these are people that could be a part of your life forever. And finding a mentor is not about taking, taking, taking. You need to give, give, give first. It's a two-way street. It's a free ebook, literally. How you can identify who is the right fit for you and your career goals. Our free mentoring guide walks you through all of it. Artofcoaching.com backslash find a mentor. Check it out. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Carl Coward's up next. Here we go. Welcome to the Art of Coaching Podcast, a show aimed at getting to the core of what it takes to change attitudes, behaviors, and outcomes in the weight room, boardroom, classroom, and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Brett Bartholomew. I'm a performance coach, keynote speaker, and the author of the book, Conscious Coaching. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student interested in all aspects of human behavior and communication. I want to thank you for joining me, and now let's dive into today's episode. Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Art of Coaching podcast. As I mentioned in the pre-roll, this is a really meaningful episode to me. Carl is a, a dear, dear family friend. He is somebody that when I lived out in LA, man, he was one of the only people that kept me sane because he is just such a, a realist and at the same time, such a hungry dreamer and at the same time, such a unique innovator and also one of the best conversationalists I've ever had the pleasure of meeting in my life. Now he'll play down all this stuff, uh, you know, and, and part of that is his background and his upbringing and just his tremendous humility and, and everything he's been forced to deal with in life. Um, and I'll explain what he does in a moment, but first Carl, I just want to welcome you to the show, man. Thanks for popping on. Oh, thanks buddy. I really appreciate being here. And, uh, and let me just start saying congratulations on all your success. I appreciate uh, it. And, uh, it's been unbelievable seeing how you're seeing your growth over the last, uh, two to three years in particular. So, yeah, thank well you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And guys, just to give you insight into that, Carl is somebody that uh, many of you have heard on my podcast before, my my early apprehension with 
putting myself out there, not just, you know, I don't like seeming like I'm some guy that has all the answers or that I'm somebody that should even be doing this stuff. And Carl just made me think a lot about like, listen, man, like you don't need to have all the answers. You just need to do, you know, you have a responsibility to share what you know and, and guide others. And Carl has been a beacon of light to me because I'll be frank, um, as special as the strength and conditioning field is and as knowledgeable as so many people in it are, it can be really close minded in how it approaches bigger change, branding itself. And, and Carl was that person that helped me call bullshit on a lot of that stuff. Now to get into Carl, Carl is the co-founder and managing partner of Focus Capital Partners. Now, if that sounds interesting and that sounds unique and a little bit ambiguous, it's because Carl does some shit with some people that literally change the world at a completely different level. Uh, Focus Capital Partners is a venture and growth equity investment firm that has offices in LA, which is where we met, and Sydney. And there's so much unique stuff to what Carl does, and, and Carl won't mention it, but I am going to name drop. Carl's worked and, and met with the likes of, of Richard Branson and some other people that are doing things at a macro level that, I, like, it's hard for me to even fathom. And, uh, you know, it, we're going to talk a lot about this because he's got one of the most unique stories about mentoring, how he found his, the impact it's had on his life, and then how he became even a mentor of mine and through dealing with the bullshit. Carl, what else did I miss, man? Give give him some more background. <laughs> wow, where do I go from there? Thanks, Brett. Um, no, I mean, look, that's uh, that's very kind words, and and uh, and I really appreciate that coming from you. Look, I, I've been I've been super lucky. I. I um, I was just thinking about this podcast this morning and just thinking about where I am in life and, uh, you know, people I met and uh, people that made impressions on me and, and uh, you know, not necessarily just well-known people, but just people who do special things in life. And, and, and <laughs> you know, I've, I've been super fortunate. I've, I've met presidents and prime ministers and statesmen and tribesmen and, you know, an occasional billionaire here and there. but you know, there's, there's not, it's not always obvious who sort of makes a real impression on you. And the title is not what makes a man or a woman. It's sort of more, more how they come across, how they deal with other people, how they handle themselves, how they, how they treat others that really make an impression on me. And, and uh, the titles uh, on many people that I've worked with and been with have not been what's made them very special. Um, so, 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 you know, I think, yeah, I've, I've, I've been able to do a lot of special things in my life, but it's probably the, the unknown people that I met and unknown people I met with that, uh, or worked with that has sort of made the, the deepest impression. Sure. And the, my and life and career. And there's this bit of understated mystery that, that goes into people that you meet at the, the highest level there's, and, and this is fascinating for those of you that, that don't know our story. When I, when I was working in LA, you know, I was still at a point in my career where it's, I mean, for over 13 years, I worked predominantly with, you know, athletes. And I understand that everybody that has a body metaphorically is an athlete, but like, I just mean people that had played professional sports or collegiate sports or, you know, what have you. And, and Carl is certainly an athlete is a world-class martial artist, which we're going to talk about a bit. But when Carl first came in, you know, I, I didn't know much about Carl. I knew that he was in a unique industry. And I knew that he had a propensity for working. He wanted to work with people that, you know, he, he felt like cut the fluff and would train him hard. But at the time I just felt like, man, like one, I don't want to train somebody one-on-one. -on -one. And, 
you know, like I, it just had been a long time since I had worked with classic gen pop. Well, Carl was anything, but this dude comes in, doesn't tell me shit about what he does. It's just like, yo, I'm looking, I'm looking for somebody that, you know, can challenge me, uh, physically, you know, but responsibly and ethically he had been, he probably knows more about strength and conditioning just based on his own research and experience with coaches and trainers that than even some in our field. And so long story short, Carl and I start working together for about six weeks and even more mysterious. He like, he goes, you know what? Why don't you bring your, your wife? Why don't you guys come to lunch with me one day? So we're like, Fuck, okay, Carl, you're a little classier than we are, but we'll, we'll try to find a button down or two to hang out with you. So we meet Carl for lunch and I don't, do you remember this, Carl? Do you remember like meeting for lunch? Yeah, yeah, Be- Be- the Beverly Hilton for sure. Yeah. We're at the Beverly Hilton, which like, you know, the only time I'd seen this place is growing up watching Entourage. You know, like, I'm just like, you see this shit in movies. So I'm sitting there and it takes Carl a good 60 minutes to even tell us what he does. And here was the fascinating, here's my point. My point is that Carl started the relationship off by being so interested in people other than himself, genuinely interested. I mean, he remembered my wife's name, what she did, where we were from, how we met. I mean, some people can't go five minutes without talking about themselves or five seconds Carl, you went more than almost like six weeks, man, until you really opened up and it wasn't because you were trying to hide something. It was because you really gave a shit about the people at the other end of the table. Where did you learn that? Like, how did that become such a huge part of your life, learning how to understand and truly build a relationship? Yeah, I mean, wow, that's a a nice, again, very nice of you to say, Brett. And that means a lot to me. Um, I I, I think, you know, I, I think I've always been... And I'm always striving to be a better listener. Um, I find through sort of the listening process, you you just learn a lot about someone else. And and I and I generally think it's quite rude as well to to just talk about yourself all the time. I, I I've grown up in a very conservative family. Um, in Norway. In Norway, yeah. So I grew up in Norway. Um, and left Norway when I was 18. But, you know, by the time I was 18, I'd already traveled a lot in my life. I was, I grew up with a bit older parents. They're, uh, I'm 37 today and, and they're in their 80s. So they had me quite late in life, but they had a very, uh, you know, strong value. And they have very strong values as far as um, customs and, and as far as, uh, you know, being polite and, and treating people the right way. And that was something that was sort of ingrained that myself and my brothers as kids. So I think I learned that very early on, and and I believe that strongly to this day that you have to, you know, listen before you speak, you know, ask questions before you ask questions, you know, uh, serve before you ask for uh, ask for something in return, uh, you know, simple simple things that have really helped me in life. Um, uh, you know, it's a little bit different than maybe some other cultures. I mean, I I can I, I say this with with as much respect as I can, Americans tend to be a little bit more forward and tend to be a little bit bigger on promoting themselves. I noticed that in business and as a Norwegian, as a European, I'm probably sit, I sit back a little bit more. That being said, you know, once, uh, once we break the ice, I'm, I'm as boisterous as everyone else. (laughs) Um, You had a nickname. uh, Hey, you had a nickname at one point in time. Tell them what the nickname was. Carlos the Jackal? Yeah, well, you have that. And then the, I think when you lived in Perth, yet they had another nickname for you. 
Uh, you know, I had plenty of nicknames. Some I can't say on the podcast. I'll tell you that. Uh, on, a, on a serious note, like you talking about that and your your propensity of sitting back. I mean, how much of that is the set of social codes that you grew up with in Norway? You know, like there's there's an actual. I don't know if many people know this, but there's a, they call it a law, right? And there there's a specific set of social codes that says, hey, like you're not to try to stand out or act like you're better than somebody or, or yeah. do these things. Like talk to us a little bit about the, the role that played in your upbringing as well, nature and nurture. Yeah. It's funny you said that. So we, in Norway, we have some, something called Janteloven uh, and in Australia, we have something similar is called uh, tall poppy syndrome. Uh, you know, they, they sort of mean the same thing and it's sort of, it's, it's, it's don't, you know, don't, brag too much don't show yourself off too much and i think it's a common theme if in all the northern european countries i mean if you look at holland germany sweden norway denmark they all have a similar similar sort of code that being said obviously in today's world with instagram and social media and all that i think some of that some of that is disappearing and and for the good in some cases for in other cases not so good um, I think this concept that you can't celebrate success is a bad thing. But I think this concept that you have to lie to others to be something that you're not is a, you know, that's, that's not good. So I think you should be able to celebrate your success. You should be able to celebrate other people's success, more importantly. Um, you know, being jealous is one of the most negative feelings you can ever have in life. Uh, but being able to, but, uh, you know, but also bragging and, and being something that you're not is a very it's very off-putting at least in, in my life and in my world so that's something I try to steer away from as much as I can sure no and you do a great job at that and and it's a fine balance right between living up to that standard but also really making sure that you have a strong presence which you certainly do and where I'm going with this Carl is in your words and and just from knowing you you, you've met with presidents, prime ministers, tribesmen, I mean, entrepreneurs, like it's amazing the, the people that you've worked with, like, and, and gotten to know, but to get to know them, to be able to share the metaphorical stage with them, for them to maintain their engagement and attraction to you in a professional manner, like you also have to have presence, right? They have to get the idea that, all right, sure. this guy's soft-spoken, but he knows his shit. How do yeah. you balance that? What rules do you kind of abide by when you're trying to balance the volume there, so to speak? Well, of course. I mean, you know, you have to be good at what you do. I mean, in a business sense, you have to be able to, to you know, walk the walk as well as you talk the talk. That that's really important. But I think you you build you build these rapports and relationships with high achievers. A big part of that is them liking you as well. I mean, at the end of the day, when you when all the layers are peeled back. You know, people like being with people they like. So likability is a is a really important skill in life and in business. And I think that's something that some people just, I don't know, it's like they forget it. I agree. Uh, no one likes working with someone or being around someone they don't like. It's as simple as that. It's, it's I, I've never, I've gone to a point in my career, my life right now, where I'm very lucky, of course, that I don't have to, ever deal with anyone I don't like. It doesn't matter. There's no, there's no price anyone can put on me being unhappy. You know, you can't, and, and, and I have to be with people I enjoy being around. You know, I, um, I, I think that 
you know, being around lots of people is nice, but being around really a few select people that are high quality and that you really enjoy is, is the most important thing in life. And, and at the end of the day, you know, we're all seeking that fulfillment and that fulfillment happens through, you know, enjoyment, at least in my, in my life. Without a doubt. And you touched on a strong point there. I mean, I, I think I've mentioned in the podcast before, but these two researchers, French and Raven had, had these sources of power that they built around and they talk about legitimate power and positional power and reward power, all the different ways that, that power can be fluid and dynamic. And they still find to this day, to your point, Carl, that referent power or, you know, somebody, whether somebody looks up to somebody or they like them is still always going to supersede most other forms of power. So even, yeah. you know, and, and that's just the truth, right? Like we, you, and Robert Cialdini of Arizona State University has research to, to support that. Now with that, Carl, and liking and, and building rapport, you know, it, and I'd love you to go into a little bit of your martial arts background as well. What role did that play in regards to how you kind of also approach humility, but that balance of asserting yourself, right? Because we know in martial arts of any kind, there's this give and take, there's this flow of the dynamic, like the flow of power, like the flow of presence. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that ingrained uh, is ingrained in you as well? Yeah, it's, it's been incredibly important. I mean, since I was seven, you know, from when I was seven years old, I would go to karate classes uh, several times a week. Those classes started with Saisa, which is a, a kneeling exercise where you sit in a, you, you sit in a single line um, and you basically pay respect to your teacher, your sensei, and they end that way too. So no matter what happens in between, it starts with respect and it ends with respect. So it, it builds a very strong um level of 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 hierarchy respect understanding and also letting go so you know you you start to, you start the class with respect so you forget about everything's happened before that day you're there and you're in the moment you're about to start training and you finish it that way too you reflect on what the training has been like you you bow to everyone in the class and then you move on with your day or your your evening or whatever it is, and and that uh, that tradition and that sort of traditional upbringing I had from very early start, combined with what my parents are like and my family is like, certainly has formed who I am today, and it's formed how my children will be raised as well. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to put your kids or yourself through martial arts class to to have that sort of skill set, but I think that traditional Japanese um, way of showing respect has been very, very uh, helpful for my life. And I imagine when you say helpful in your life, that includes the business side of stuff as well, right? Like just more than any, more than anything. Yeah. Can you give some more insight into how? Um, again, you know, being able to, you know, understanding not to, when not to speak. I yeah. think, I think one, one of the, one of the true lessons I've learned, if I'm to make a connection here, is that, you know, you go through life and business in a lot of battles and you have to, you have to accept that you're not going to win all of them. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I remember something my dad said to me very early on in life. He said that, and, and this is not him being defensive, but he said, sometimes you just have to smile and say yes. And he doesn't mean that, no, he didn't mean that in a way that you should be weak, 
but it's just pick your battles. Don't think you can win everything. I mean, I think if you, um, you know, you have to understand what battles you can lose and still win the war. Uh, and that comes with experience. That comes with, you know, that's part of this life's journey. And, um, you know, life's just way too long to try to win every battle. You just won't. So it, it's sort of that constant negotiation with yourself and with others and trying out, trying to figure out what's worth fighting for and what, what isn't. I'm glad you used that. Um, oh, sorry. And if you, yeah. And if, you know, kind of if you, if you don't understand that concept, if you don't get closer to that, that realization, you know, life gets pretty damn tough. Right. And I'm glad you use that term negotiation. Cause I think that's something that it's almost kind of like leadership and culture and mindset in that it's kind of, it gets thrown in a lot, but I don't think people really understand what that means. I think with negotiation, people think fairness and fairness, you know, it's, it's talked about in a favorite book of mine. Fairness is the true F word because in negotiation, no, neither side really gets what they want, but like you do have to concede and sometimes give ground to gain ground as, as you're talking about. And I think that's yeah. a huge part of coaching and leadership. Now you also mentioned other life experiences of which you have even more unique ones in, in terms of how you found a mentor. I think the role that self-doubt played in your life was surprising to me because when I first met you, I mean, just hearing about everything you had done and, and, and seeing everything in your the, the way that you had kind of um, asserted yourself on so many different stages. I think it surprises people sometimes to hear like people like yourself that has done all those things. It speaks five languages can have self doubt and can go through. I mean, like talk about when you like left home and you were traveling the world and you know, university wasn't really for you. How did all that lead to you finding direction and a mentor? How did the mess help the struggle? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I think the mess happened early on in my life too. I am, um... Um, you know, I think let's just cut, let's just cut the bullshit here. I mean, one thing that I think we can all agree on and you and I certainly can, and I'm sure anyone who listens to this is that, you know, life's just shit sometimes, you know, there's no, there's no ifs and ifs and buts about it. It's yeah. just really bloody hard. And, um, you know, I laugh at people who talk about their stories in life and talk about all the sort of the sunshines and sunshine and rainbows. It just <laughs> makes me sick. It makes me want to vomit. And uh, because, you know, it's not like that. And if, if your life is like that, well, you just play the too safe and you miss some of the beautiful contrasts in life, you know, the ups and downs. And, and it's, really in the, it's really in the sort of those troughs where, where I think a lot of the beauty lies. And, and for me, if I look back in my life from early on, I, you know, those troughs are really where I, le I learned my lessons and still do. Because, you know, still today, things are really, really hard sometimes. And I was, I think one thing that had a major impact on my life is that I, I um, was diagnosed when I was 14 with, uh, with anorexia and uh, sort of started a physically a, a, a four-year battle with that. And I think that's one of the things you and I, Brett, connected on. Sure. Um, a four-year sort of physical battle but a lifelong mental battle uh you know that is a that is an illness that never ever goes away mentally and and i think that some of my personality is very much connected to uh to to that illness because you know if things have gotten really tough in life i've always sort of shrugged it off a little bit well it's not as bad as it was 
is never going to be as bad as it was. Uh, I'm never going to be on the edge of a cliff or on, in the, on the edge of a bridge or like I was. So, and, 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 you know, this, this old adage, you know, boxing adage, you just got to keep punching. I mean, as silly as it sounds, it just, it's true. You just got to keep punching sometimes. Head, you know, bite down your mouth guard and keep punching. Because uh, if not, you know, you know, that's the only way to get through really tough times. And and that was um, those years defined probably who I was, especially my mental my mental capacity. But it's uh, it's it's also had a massive impact on my whole life. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. We do connect on, on that piece, especially, you know, going back around the same age too. And, and I love how you touch on struggle is not always a problem. Sometimes it's the solution and finding yourself is really difficult and muddy. And that's one thing from people I think on my show to hear that from me and, and even, even other coaches in the industry. But to, again, hear, hear that from somebody like yourself who at the world level has met so many people that, that, that make macro level decisions. And I think just people have this association of thinking everybody at the top, you know, they know they have problems, but they kind of just assume their first world problems and there's nothing major and the shit's messy, you know? And so like when you went through that, Carl, and then, you know, it, it wasn't just a matter of figuring out that point of your life. Like if I remember correctly, and please do correct me if I'm wrong, you were kind of shit at university, right? Like when you were in, you were in Australia, you had moved around, you were trying to find different avenues of life. And that led this indirect path, this medi, a messy, shitty, indirect path led to you finding a really strong guiding figure in your life, did it not? Yeah, well, it's funny you said the shit at university. I think dog shit is the word. <laughs> uh, so I remember, um, I remember moving to, to Australia and I'd finished, um, I, 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 I arrived there and about five days later I started university. And my first class was uh, Economics 101, and I remember it really well. It was this uh, this lecturer who was quite well-known in Australia, a guy called Stephen Kemper. He was an economics lecturer. And I remember he, um, you know, I thought we were going to have a bit of a soft sort of start, and he just hit us with lots of homework and a lot of shit the first day. And I remember leaving the classroom just crying, just thinking to myself, I am effed right now i don't know what went on i was crap at high school this is going to be a real struggle and the two first years at university were really hard uh, i struggled and then i think something happened i had to do summer school um i had to do summer school the second year because i'd, I'd failed one of the classes and you know through that i just sort of Something just clicked a little bit. In the third, third year of university, I actually did quite well. And um, I, I can't tell you really why, but it's just a few things just clicked in my head. And, um, and maybe I just matured, you know, a little bit late. And it just sort of clicked. And all of a sudden, things started making a bit more sense. Around the same time, I, I met uh, who, a person who was going to be my first boss. And, and mentor uh, and who gave me my first job and that was sort of a, a huge uh, a huge thing in my life and I was actually talking to someone about this uh, just yesterday he was sitting <clears throat> he was having lunch with me and um, and we were talking and and all of a sudden he says yeah Carl you have the job and uh, and I just didn't know 
didn't exactly what to say because I'd never gotten a job before. How did you really... even meet the guy, Carl? How'd you, how, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I met him through someone else at a, um, I was working in a, I was working while I was studying, I was actually working in bars Got it. at nighttime. So, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. As a dancer, right? You were a you were a, dan- a pole dancer at these bars, correct? Uh, yeah, pole dancer <laughs> slash doorman. So, you know, that was sort of my my double job. Um, yeah, doorman, doorman, pole dancing doorman. That was my uh, that was. I think that was the. I think that was the nickname you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, red cinnamon. That's, that's, yeah, that's exactly. what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine I was a pole dancing doorman with a last name Coward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, you can imagine how that sort of went down. And, uh, you know, I have lots of funny stories from, from that, but that's, that's for another time. Anyway, through that, um, through uh, being a doorman, I, I met a lot of people and I was fortunate enough to just work at a very high end place where a lot of high achievers were walking through the door. And I, because I was sort of the first person they met and everyone needed to get through me to get into the nightclub. And uh, I just got to know a lot of people. And, and through that process, you know, through a little bit of serendipity, I met uh, who sort of became my mentor or one of my mentors for sure. And I love that. Like you just took a shot. I love, and this is the thing that I appreciate about you is I think sometimes people try to glam up or manicure, you know, certain stories and they're like, well, you know, I was pretty strategic about how I did this. And Oh my God, they're full of shit. Right. A hundred percent. It's so much luck in life. It's there's so many lefts instead of rights. The crossroads of life are just, they're just full of them. And, and it, sorry to interrupt you, no. Brett, but it just makes me laugh. It makes me laugh when I hear that because <clears throat> But because you know, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, you look at you look at all the crossroads, like I said, and and uh, at times, you know, the ones that really make a difference in your life, you know, you know about those times. And for me, meeting meeting my mentor at the time was a very significant crossroad. But you have sort of other things that happen in your life that, you know, are more a crossroads are more subtle, right? I mean, things that. Um, things that you really don't understand at the time. And, and you only, you know, only when you look back, you really sort of get what they meant. Yeah. no uh, doubt. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, life is so full of, so full of that. And I, and I, I, again, I, I find it fascinating when people talk about how strategic they were to get from A to B and, they're full of shit most of the time because it's so much luck and so much coincidence. And I liked hearing this story. And by the way, I heard once that luck is an acronym for laboring under care and knowledge, you know, yeah. and, and I think there's truth to that. Right. And I think there's yeah. just preparation and sometimes just being, uh, you know, you got to be fairly risk averse and take a shot and just be like, all right, like, I, cause here's the thing, right? Most people, let's say the other night, like Liz and I were watching shark tank. We we're just flipping through and we found that. And there's so many people that are like, I I could never make it on that show or any show. This is just a metaphor, right? And it's like, well, actually, like, there's just probably way few, like, way fewer people than you know or think actually apply to the show. And then the people that even apply the right way and fill out all the documentation and then the people that actually even know their shit. And so there's like layers of where I I think most people don't accomplish what they want, whether it's meeting a mentor or anything else, just like taking a shot. You know, you never, I always say like my book I thought my brother would burn it and my mom would read it, you know, and, but like you you put shit out there. And so like, all right, let's get back to the story. Now you found a mentor, which I know I get hit all the time. Like, Hey man. And I'm like, yo, I didn't have a mentor from day one. And, and so I don't know what advice to give some people, but you found a mentor now 
And like, where, where are we going from here? Like what, you know, for mentoring to be effective, right? You know, now what things need to be present, but then like, what was the next step of that story? Where did the, how did this continue on? Well, well, I think, you know, again, it's, I only now know that he was a mentor, but I, I think that I quickly, I quickly understood that this is the guy that I want to follow. How? And, and well, first of all, I mean, you know, very successful. I think Adam and this particular gentleman, Adam, he was, it was probably, he was a very obvious mentor um, and some aren't as obvious, but I mean, he was just the type of guy that he walked into a room and the room stopped. It really did. And he was that. And, and so, so being able to be around him as much as I was, was a, was a real blessing. And I, and again, it comes back to a little bit of luck. I mean, I think, you know, luck, uh, the, the, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get, but, but at the end of the day, I, I admit fully that I probably didn't deserve to be in that position as early on as I was. But I happened to be there. And once I got there, I wouldn't, I was never going to let it go. So, um, but he was the type of guy that, that you know, was, was, um, was wonderful to be around. He, he always surrounded himself with a lot of talented people. And he always shared a lot with others as well. And I think that's something that I've, learned from him and passed on to others in my career now is that sharing with others is an incredibly important skill and very important for building rapport with others. You know, uh, I had a, another mentor of mine who used to say that, Carl, you can only drink so much red wine by yourself. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's a beautiful saying because, you know, at the end of the day, we, we you know, being around people and sharing with others and sharing success with others. It is so important. It comes back to this conversation we had about, you know, um, celebrating other success. You have to have that mindset because that that's a that's a beautiful thing. Quick break here for a moment to recognize our sponsor, Momentus. We've talked about it on previous episodes, but I want to make sure you guys understand that if you're interested in nutrition at all whatsoever. Momentus also has a blog on their website and we have dietitians from all over that are contributing information. And these are dietitians that have worked in the NBA, the NFL, even the fitness market. Guys, so no matter what you're into, there's something for you from an educational capacity on that blog at livemomentous.com. Also, if you guys are regular listeners and you're looking uh, you know, just for a product that you can give to guys and you don't have to worry about, okay, is this have banned substances? Does this have anything else I need to be on alert of? Momentus goes through some of the most rigorous testing procedures of any company I have ever seen. Not only are they NSF approved for sport, but they're also informed choice. They do tons of third-party testing, and they're constantly making sure that they're staying above board on all the latest and, or, or newest regulations and guidelines that come out. They're, they're absolutely obsessive about it. If you guys want to learn more, make sure to go to livemomentus.com backslash Brett. And you guys will get $20 off your first order by using code BRETT20 at checkout. Again, that's livemomentous.com backslash Brett. And just use the code BRETT20 at checkout. And you guys will get $20 off your first order. Always want to thank Momentous for the support that they give us. And now back to the podcast. But with yeah. that, Carl, sorry, I have to butt in right here. Just And I want you to finish the story. But you said sharing other success. Sometimes that's counterintuitive, right? Because we're in a world that's really, it's competition focused. And, and that's where I wanted to ask you. And, and I know we're all going 
back a little bit, but it's just too good of an opportunity to not ask this question. You having seen some of the titans of industry in their respective places and you being one yourself, whether you want to admit it or not, like, is it true what Peter Thiel says that competition to some degree is for losers? Like, should we be happy? hundred percent, hundred percent. If you're competing with others, you're not good enough. Why? Shit. I, well, I just think that, you know, just find your niche, find your own path. If you're competing expand with others, you're sort of, sorry, expand the pie is what you're saying. Yeah. Expand the pie. Do something different. I mean, don't, don't just go into the same, same path as everyone else is going because yeah, then you're, then you're just not only competing, but you're just walking in someone else's footsteps. It's boring. And is that something that Adam taught you first? Adam was his name, right? Oh, That's what yeah. Adam was his name. Yeah. No, he certainly showed that for sure. Uh, but, but I think this, there, there's hundreds and thousands of examples of this in, in the world, in history. I mean, I'm a student of history and I think that's one of the, um, you know, I think that's another point worth talking about is that understand what's happened in the past, because it's a perfect reflection, reflection of what's going to happen in the future. And, and, you know, if you look back in history and people's success and people's failures, I mean, being unique, being different has always been what's been, you know, the real success. But doesn't that go against the same social codes and law that you were raised with being unique and being different? Yeah, but you know, you can still be that way and have, um, have good customs, have good upbringing, have sort of have good etiquette. Yeah, you can still do it in an elegant way. Yeah. Right? Doesn't mean you have to hurt other people. I don't believe, you know, I hear, I hear, you know, I remember I was watching this, uh, this documentary on Enron. I'm going on a tangent here. But no, I'm this is great. This way. is what we want. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. So I was watching the documentary on Enron and, and this guy, this guy was being interviewed and I can't, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said something like, you know what, if I had to step on someone's throat and, and kill them, I would. And I think to myself, cool. All right. Yeah. If I, I, I don't even want to bother with that. I mean, why, why do I have to even do that? Mm. The, the, the opportunities in the world are big enough for all of us. All right. I've never once lost an opportunity to another person. I've lost an opportunity due to myself. Yeah. All right. I've lost because I That's failed, not it. because someone else has beat me to it. Well, and the, the, the core of that there, and there's so much uh, that's good is, and I want to make sure the listeners are along for the journey so they have the full context. This is why I came, this is why Carl and I connected is, Carl, like when people are pushed into a corner sometimes, if they don't have that training or they don't have that mindset of like, all right, how do I expand the pie? People, when they feel like they're in the corner and by in the corner, I mean, uh, it's like, like you've heard me talk about with strength and conditioning, scarce resources. Everybody is trying to prove everybody else a fraud. Everybody's very concerned about credibility and control and all this. And so they get in this corner and then most strength coaches just try to like fight their way out. Right. It's like they're under this 400 pound or 200 plus kilogram load. And that's all all they know how to do is strain. And like yeah. when, when I would explain this to you, just be like, all right, Brett, well, like quit thinking like a strength coach. Look at you know, these other things and like, you know, expand on that a little bit because you have a unique role as somebody, again, that's worked with crazy organizations and, and, and people that have created empires. When you saw, when you heard about me describing our field, strength and conditioning, and you just witnessed, I mean, because you follow a lot of the same folks, you know, so many people, what was your view? And still, what is your view now? Like what surprises you of how primitive we are about that? And what lessons do you think are important to, for us to realize from people in your position? Wow. Um, can I be very direct? Please, or I guess I 100%. 
Yeah. I am. I'm surprised about the bravado that's still in your industry. This concept that to make it, you have to get up, you know, start work at 6 a.m. and be the last one to leave. That's your sort of, that's your road to success. Yep. And, or work and, for a pro team or a big organization. Yeah, or, I mean, even when I met label. you, I mean, there was this sort of, there was this sort of path. And, and I'm, you know, if I compare it a little bit to my industry, to the finance industry, and, and what I'm about to say now might piss a few people off, but I, uh, and, and I'm saying this maybe because I didn't go to Ivy League school, but I go and meet with people from Harvard and Stanford and Yale and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to me, a lot of those guys or girls, they all just walk the same. They talk the same. They say the same. There's nothing interesting. There's nothing new. It's all from a textbook. And they all start working for Goldman Sachs and, and City and all that. And, and yeah, I mean, they have great careers. And, but, you know, they do mostly kind of boring stuff. Copy of a copy. Yeah, copy of a copy. Yeah, and and you know, I was I was at uh, I was at an airport lounge the other day, and and these bunch of these guys were sitting. They were a little bit younger than me, so sort of maybe early thirties. They were sitting around a table, and I just walked up to them. You guys are Harvard guys, yeah? <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, how did you know?" And I'm like, "Well, I mean, your your hat gave it away, but other than that, you know, <laughs> the, it, it's sort of just the way they were sort of talking, and and it's." It sounds horrible saying that because you know I I am a deep admiration for 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 the institutions that Harvard and Yale and Stanford and those places are, uh, but I also encourage those people to understand that just being smart and being from an Ivy League school is just not enough. Sure, you've got to be different, uh, and that's the only way you're really going to succeed in 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 business and in life. And and I think that. It just amuses me when I when I when they think that that there's only one path, and I see that in strength and conditioning as well. Is that you know even when you and I first met, I mean you had a very clear path. You have to do this and this and this and that, and you have to get these certificates and that certificate, and you know as many sort of acronyms behind your name as possible, and then you've made it. Well, I mean because of different circumstances, you now chose a different route. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think that you are going to be one of the fault leaders and you already are one of the fault leaders in that space. And I strongly believe, Brett, that you're going to be one of the fault leaders in human performance full stop in the next 10 years. Oh, well, I appreciate you know, that. It probably you know won't happen to I, I think yeah. uh, I always joke. I go. I don't, I don't think half the people will listen to the stuff I put out until I'm. Uh, it's like I call it dead rapper syndrome. <laughs> like I, I tell my wife, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm just hollering at walls. But maybe one day when I'm gone, something will be of value. No, but I appreciate that, man. I think the thing is this, right? Like just uh, and and we've touched on it in a lot of different ways. Is you have to uh, expose yourself to a. I always tell coaches, they're like, "What's your best advice?" And this has changed over the years. I say, "Well, one will travel," and they're like, "Well, what does that have to do with coaching?" And I'm like, "Oh." shit you know where do we start and then I go to like get around people with other in other professions because as much as I love like strength and conditioning was like my hero it was like growing up and meeting you know like I'm a big Eminem fan and I like you know I, I'm a big Frank Sinatra fan like if I had a chance to meet you know those guys and I'm not the starstruck type but you know when people say oh you meet your heroes and they often disappoint you like I have a fierce love for for my field but I felt like I got older and I got to know it more and I got around some of the people that were really defensive and gatekeepers and you saw how they behaved and I'm like 
like my hero kind of lets me down. My hero kind of feels like it's not in touch with like what's going on on a bigger level. And that's when meeting you was such a breath of fresh air and hearing your story about how you met Adam. And then like, you know, how you, you had to scratch, you were just so unconventionally, uh, uh, unconventional in your approach of what is a thought leader? How do they check themselves? How do they become more self-aware? So you're not the Harvard guy that doesn't realize he's wearing a hat. And I love that you say that, by the way, as a sidebar, because just like Jerry Seinfeld's got comedians in cars getting coffee, I have coaches who want to punch people in airports. And I'll go to these airport lounges sometimes and I'll see this, this guy's got a Burberry bag and he's got a quarter zip fleece that you know is way too damn hot to wear when you're traveling. And there's a button down and he's got the shoes with the buckles on. I'm like, bro, like you, you like, you know, th- there's a lot of signaling here, but coaches are guilty of it in the opposite way. Our field's bravado has come from counter signaling. So they almost yeah. took the humility that you espouse and you talk about, and they've taken it too far the other way. And people don't really understand pendulums, do they too well, Carl? Like you're in finance, you understand yeah. economics. Tell us about the danger of pendulum type thinking on the extremes. Oh yeah. It always swings too far to one side or the other. Um, yeah. I mean, where do I start? I just want to go back to something you said first before I say that. Yeah. Um, you know, one of, one of the benefits that maybe is worth mentioning I've had in my career is that I've always worked and invested in entrepreneurial ventures. And as a strength and conditioning coach starting out, you're by nature a little bit of an entrepreneur yourself. You have an opportunity to, to sort of um, start your own, you know, you know, cut your own path, so right. to speak. And and in my business today, I don't get to see all the best deals. Goldman Sachs sees all the best deals. I see things that have lots of hair on them, have lots of problems, and you really have to pull up your sleeves. And But because of that, I get to use a lot of the skills that we've spoken about Um. And you learn to become a really good problem solver. And I think that's another aspect of success and sort of this journey that we're all on. Becoming good problem solvers in life and finding out what direction to take and understanding when luck sort of presents itself, I think are are real sort of keys to, um, to moving forward. Now, as far as the pendulum swinging, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we, we get... We tend to go one side or the other too too far sometimes, and and that's that's human nature. I mean, we're seeing that in politics today. We're seeing that in 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 all aspects of life. I'm not sure if business is any different. Um, but most you know most people are in a little bit in the middle, to use a bit of a um, cliche. I think sometimes cliches are cliches for a reason. So yeah. get, getting back and and there's somewhere we're going with this, getting back to Adam and you lost Adam at one point in time. Well, at a point in time, obviously. And then you were kind of thrust into a position where again, you had to prove it doesn't so much, so much matter where you come from as it does what you're made of. You know, when you, when you lost your mentor, what was that like? And then like, you know, how, how did you take those lessons excuse me, and then go on and and use it to mentor other people. Because one thing I know about good mentors, Carl, is they never really consider themselves a mentor. They just kind of think like, well, I'm just trying to help. You know, they don't like whether it's the appellation they don't like or or whatever. But talk to us about that process because we've we've talked about so much of your journey so far, but now we're reaching a new transition with the loss of your mentor. 
Yeah, <clears throat> so we had um, Adam was a mentor to many of us, and uh, there was a group of people that he was incredibly kind to, and you know I was I was one of them, and and um, he passed away in in two thousand and eleven, and um, I had an opportunity to spend some time with him just a week or actually five days before he passed actually in the u.s he was getting some last minute treatment in the u.s and um i don't want to go into it too much but i i i had a conversation with him sort of one-on-one -on -one just before i uh just before i said bye to him and i think that he knew at the time that his his life was coming to an end he said he didn't say it directly but he said something that made me think that and i remember I remember someone ignoring it and went into a shell a little bit and just saying, no, 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 I'll see him next week when I'm back in Australia. Um, but I knew that I said, I probably knew that when he, when I said bye to him, it was going to be the last time. And yeah, it really, it really upset me, not only because, you know, someone I admired greatly, but it was someone who had a beautiful family and left a lot of things behind um, but it upset me because egotistically, and this might come across a little bit the wrong way, but egotistically, I felt I really want to show him that I can become something. I really want to show him that all the effort he's put in me is going to pay off. And I think there's, there's something in us sometimes that we want, to, we want to show the people that put faith in us that it's worth it. And I think that's, um, that's certainly something that I think about a lot, especially with him and other mentors I've had in my life as well. Uh, that being, it's something came out of that. The, um, the kindness they've shown, something came out of that. And I've been able to pass that to others. And that's something that means, uh, it's very important to me and something I, like I said, think about a lot. And I appreciate you sharing that because I know how hard that can be. And, but I, I think that, you know, I want you to understand the, the gravity of that in that I think we live in a, a world right now where everybody is desperate for deeper connection. And, you know, I, I don't mean the technological kind. I just feel like most people, no matter what age they are, no matter what industry, just, again, they, they long for that kind of connection with somebody. I mean, listen, I know that even, even today with some of the stuff I'm, I'm taking some risks on and trying to do within, within coaching and my personal life and all that, like there's times where I still feel lonely and I'm like, well, you know, I know there's plenty of people I can talk about training modalities with, but the minute I start getting into psychosocial elements or this and that, I mean, guys like you are, are generally the people that I have the most, uh, enriching conversations with now to, to just touch on that and you finding your path and your journey, which I think is a huge part of what's led to your relative success. I say relative because I know you wouldn't define it as such. You know, when you look back on some things or even today, do you ever think were my goals my own or simply what I thought I should want, you know, at, at one point in your life? Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, that's a good question, Brett. I, I, um, I, I think my goals have changed over time. Um, I certainly, I'm certainly still at a point in my career and life that I'm very ambitious still, but maybe, you know, the ambitions aren't as much monetary as they are 
making a difference. And mm. uh, one of the one of the things that I'm most proud of right now is that there's a quite a lot of people that have jobs because of my business partner and I, and we've been able to create work for a number of people, a lot of people. And that's something I'm really, really, that's something that gives me a lot of satisfaction. And the fact that people's families are fed, kid, if, you know, parents, kids are going to college and, you know, people can go on holidays and enjoy themselves because of what we have done and what we're doing. It gives me a lot of satisfaction. Yeah. Um, and I think that I've also come to a point now, just going back to mentoring, where I now have mentees myself, people who come to me and ask for advice. And, and uh, I often, there's a small group of people that I speak to quite regularly about you know, their, their business and their life. And, and, you know, if I can pass on a little bit of my knowledge to them, um, then that's something I'm very happy to do. And, and I think that most mentors want to be mentors. They, they, they want to pass on their knowledge. I was having a wonderful conversation yesterday with, um, with one of the founders of um, the, one of the 10 largest investment banks in the world. Uh, so very senior, very senior executive. And in the meeting, he brought a younger guy, smart younger guy by the name of Ari. And, um, and I could tell that they had a mentor-mentee relationship. And, and uh, the older gentleman, he really enjoyed this concept of being able to show this younger guy the ropes. It gave him a lot of satisfaction. And I can understand that. And I can, being in both a mentor and a mentee role, I can really appreciate that. Because I'm still seeking out mentors. I'm still seeking out people to learn from all the time. As one of my main pursuits in life is to find who can I learn from, not take from, but learn from. And I often find when I approach people that way, they're happy to share their knowledge. Yeah, well, and you touch on a huge point there, givers versus takers, one that I try to be really vocal about because I do think, you know, in my experience in the past two years, especially I've had more and more people reach out and I think what they think they're asking is like, hey, can you mentor me? But really 99% of what it what comes across is what can you give me? It's yeah. almost always like, what can you give me? Hey, why? like, do you have this information? Can you give this to me now? And then yeah. if it's if the information's not free, it's like, well, I don't want that information. I want your free information. It's like Steve Martin said in his book, uh, you know, a born standing up, I think is what it's called. And uh, you know, he says somewhere in the book, and this is this is a paraphrase. This isn't a direct quote, but he's like, people don't want the real advice. People ask me my advice all the time, and what they want me to say is like, oh, get a great agent and do this and do that. And he's like, no, like the the advice that most people want answers to, like they don't really want to hear. But givers and takers is huge. And and I think people need to understand that. Like there are duties. You have duties as an apprentice or as an aspiring apprentice. Like what, what do you think those duties are? If you were talking to the takers of the world, the people that think they are owed and entitled to the information that helps you get to where you're at, and maybe they just don't know any better, right? I'm not asking you to yell at them or anything like that, but like, what what are the duties that somebody needs to go down this checklist of before they even reach out for help, Carl? Oh man, um, just just a few. Well, I know it's no, an endless. Yeah, list. yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I think duties are actually a, it's a good word for it because it's uh, you know you have to walk into that relationship with a bit of 
a humble mindset, right? And I think if you walk into a, uh, if you seek out a mentor, seek out help, you have to be humble about it and not be demanding. I mean, that's important. I think, you know, things that come to mind is a willingness to learn, to listen, uh, and also have an open mind when you're doing that too. I mean, take away your preconceived ideas because, you know, you know, predominantly you're going there to learn from someone else. So you got to have an open mind about it. You have to ask a lot of questions. Be curious. You know, be, be ask, ask away because you know mentors typically expect that and they they appreciate it and they like sort of impart, you know, imparting that knowledge. So being curious is important. I, I think be also motivated to. How do I say this? Be motivated to implement a device you get and also at least try it um because you know what's the you know what's the point if you don't um and maybe lastly i think be open to be open to criticism as well uh, i sort of i am of the view that if you if you're the person i take advice from i should also be able to take criticism from that person and critique, not meaning, you know, like you said, yelling or screaming, just, you know, good uh, constructive critique. And you should be willing to take that from someone you're asking for help uh, help from. Yeah, I love those are. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's important. Yeah, <clears> those are huge. I would say if I could add one of my own just to add to the discussion, and this is one that's just evolved. Um, and I think this complements everything you're saying. I don't I don't think they necessarily have to be seen as disparate, but. I tell people like, listen, you need to have some skin in the game and yeah. whether that kind like you got to either add value yourself, like you got to put, there needs to be a consequence for any inherent laziness or entitlement you may have during this process. And so I always say if there's one word and this is super dramatic, right? So uh, there's a bit of dramatic effect here because I do want to see how people respond. I'm like, you have to be willing to bleed. And that just means you learn more from failure than success. So if you think that this mentoring relationship is me protecting you or giving you everything, uh-uh. I, I, what sets anybody apart that wants to work with me is like, hey, hey, coach, um, these are, you know, whatever formalities, right? And then like, these are the things that I want to be able to help you with or I'm offering, you know, like, what do you like? Because that just tells me a lot about their personality. Are you leading with value or are you leading with like, this is what I want from you? Just state it early. Stated early, don't do it four paragraphs. Where yeah. are you putting skin in the game? Because if you don't have 10 toes down on the ground, you're living in the fucking air and nothing good is ever going to, like, it's just not going to come with the relationship because I can't deal with entitlement. No, I, I agree with that 100%. I, I, um, I also encourage everyone to, you know, obviously be thoughtful about who you're asking to be your mentor. I mean, have a reason for it. I mean, just just because someone is experienced or older doesn't mean they make a good mentor. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember this, Brett, but there was a, there was a wonderful, actually, I'll go out and say this is probably the greatest piece of literature written in the 90s was a uh, article uh, in the Chicago Tribune. Um, and it was later made into a song called Sunscreen. And... Uh, there was a, towards the end of that song, I'm not sure, do you remember it? No, I mean, I was born in 86, so in the 90s, I was probably still singing the, the theme song <laughs> for X-Men or Spider-Man, but I'm going to look yeah, this shit so, up the minute we're done. So, so I, I recommend everyone listens to this or reads this article. It was, it was written by a, um, 
Her lady's name was Mary Smish. I think she wrote an article in 1997. It was a, it was a graduate uh, speech, speech. And um, towards the end of the speech, and I, everyone should read it or listen to the song Sunscreen by Bas Lerman. If you haven't listened to it, you missed out on life. So ah. go and listen to it. Uh, but you know, towards the end of the <clears throat> towards the end of the article, she says uh, something like, um, uh, "Let me just think here. Yeah, yeah be careful time. whose advice you buy, but be patient with those who supply it." Mm. And I think that that's a uh, that's very important to 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 remember. Yeah, I think I agree. And we've talked about the duties of an apprentice, and to go with what you just said. How do you think somebody can discern whether a mentoring relationship is becoming toxic? Like, how do you think somebody that, because there's situational mentors, right? There's people that may have been an appropriate mentor at one time, or you've gotten into someone with, like, how do you know if there's a toxic mentoring situation? Like, it's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta move on. I know some of that might be self-evident, but again, just for somebody a little bit more that like, you know, because people stay in toxic relationships all the time and, and they maybe ignore the signs and they think maybe this is indoctrination or initiation period. What What's a toxic mentoring relationship look like? Well, from the point of a mentee or a mentor? Now let's go mentee on this one. Let's go somebody that is, is all in and actually has approached this the right way as yeah. a mentee. And they may, you know, they're trying to decide, like, really, is this person giving me good advice? Like, Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the obvious thing is that if someone asks you to or suggests that you step out of the bounds of the law, you know, not so breaking the law, not breaking the rules, breaking the law. I mean, that's obviously a, a pretty significant Number one. one. And, and, in my, and in my field, you know, in finance, that's, that's happened a lot. I mean, uh, you know, like any business and like any, uh, like any industry, my field, is governed by a very strict set of laws and uh, of laws, and uh, you know often those laws are are t- you know played with. And I think that if you as a mentee sense that that's the advice you're getting, I mean, run as fast as you can. Yeah. Right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so, code of ethics so, and scope of practice. Yeah, and I think I think that that's uh, that's very important. I mean, being able to go into any relationship, any business would you know, very high level of morals and ethics is very important. And no mentor in the world should ever, you know, uh, should ever tamper with the true North, right? You have to, you have to be, uh, you have to, and, but, but, you know, to be fair, you have to um, approach a mentor and believe that that person, him or her uh, has have the same code of ethics and same, same code of conduct that you should have. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I've I've seen plenty of examples in my field where where young people have been led astray because they've gone about and you know uh, taken on bad habits that their mentors, quote unquote, uh, have done throughout throughout their careers. Yeah, and you know, in any business, in any part of life, you know, it's laws and rules are ever changing. So you know, f- make sure you you're clear on that. That's probably the most obvious thing to me. Um, but also, uh, as a mentee, you, you just have to find that balance of knowing how much to ask for as well. I mean, don't be a pest. You know, that's uh, sad to say that way, but sometimes you can ask too much. And, 
Is there um, a rule? Is there a ratio? You think people go? <laughs> good question, yeah. man. I don't know. No, no. That, and that, that's why it's just good to pontificate. I remember when I was an intern, yeah. I worked under a guy. He goes, you get one question a day, make it good. <laughs> well, like, yeah, that's right. So I often say to the people I, I help, I say, look, let's, let's agree on a schedule here. I said, I'll, I'll have some time for you once every two weeks. And let's be thoughtful about what this conversation is going to be like every time. So we're not wasting each other's time. Yeah. And it's important for a mentor, if I'm from that point of view, to also show the mentee that you can't waste anyone's time. So be, be direct, be, be sort of deliberate in what you're asking and, and how you're spending someone else's time, because time is the most precious commodity we have. Sure. And if I'm, if I'm prom- if I'm helping you out, you better be sensitive to my time because uh, that's, that's really important. And that's very disrespectful to not be. So don't be late. Call when you're supposed to call. Don't go over your time. You know, don't wish wash and, spend time talking about bullshit you know it's 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 keep it keep it to the point and and you know if the mentor wants to sort of keep it going longer you know um then that's fine and then say to him or her towards the end of the conversation well thank you so and so you know when can we is it possible we could speak in in two weeks ask be kind now with that and this, this can, you can answer this from your perspective, or you could answer this from any of the presidents, prime ministers, entrepreneurs, anybody that you have met with or, or, or uh, anybody in the spectrum of your journey. Do you or any of them like have trip wires, so to speak? Like, obviously, you know, like with, like even with your friend Xander, right. Or with uh, Richard Branson or with any other person, like obviously these people, like not everybody can get to them. Right. And rightfully so, because 99% of people like aren't ready for that kind of advice, even if they could get to them because they're not clear enough on their own journey. But, you know, I, I know I've instituted some trip wires, so I'm, I'm happy to give you an example if I'm not being clear enough, but no, you've been clear. Okay. Can you talk to me about some trip? Yeah, wires you put I in? mean, don't ask me to do the work for you. All right. I mean, if you're asking for something, don't, don't ask me to tell you how to do it. Don't ask me to do it for you. And I've had people literally say to me, oh, you know, could you do that for me? And I'm like, no, I'm telling you how to do it. Do it yourself. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the part of this whole thing. I mean, that sounds very obvious, I'm sure. But you'd be surprised how many people I've had sort of asked me for help or ask for advice. And advice have gone from, well, Carl, can you just do that? Like, no, I, I can't. I'm, I'm not. You're not in a position. I worked hard to get where I get to do what I can do. Yeah. You need to go through that journey too, yep. and and there's no quick there's no quick way of getting there. I mean, you know, there's no there's no magic pill, there's no there's no shortcut. It's hard work, and you have to go through the process. You have to go through the journey, like all everyone else. And what I've found, just to cut in for a moment, what I've found too is people that don't agree with that or people that even think the tripwire thing's kind of a dick move, I find like haven't really, I think they've kind of isolated themselves as a mentor. They haven't been exposed to certain situations. And part of that is just the digital age we lived in. Here's my, yeah. Here was my aha moment early on, and I'll try to keep it brief because people are more interested in you than they are me. You know, at a time when I was trying, I was ultimate people pleaser, super naive, trying to help everybody, like even like, 
not, not spending enough time with family because I was so concerned with answering every DM and tweet and email and all this. Um, at a time that I was really naive to that, I got on the phone with somebody that we're having this like hour and a half conversation because there was this coach that was super lost and I saw a lot of similarities, you know, early on and like just trying to figure this stuff out, didn't really have a mentor. And then it dawned on me about 60 minutes into this hour and a half conversation that like he was asking a lot of the same questions, just worded in different ways. That's why it took a, a while for me to, to kick in that he hadn't even read my book. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not like, you know, I didn't write the Iliad, right? Like this book isn't 1400 pages. It's a pretty simple book to read. Um, but then, you know, here was the sad thing is, and I had asked him, I go, Hey, have you, have you read the book? I'm not trying to be rude and I'm still going to answer your questions. But like, and he was like, Oh no, I just, you know, I didn't think you'd even answer. And, uh, I thought I'd reach out to you and I'm like, well, that's on me. And then I ended up being late for something where I had a committed appointment because I thought I was doing a greater service talking to somebody who in reality, while a good person was completely unprepared. And, and I remember they reached and like, and, and the silly thing is, is it's on me as well. Cause I continued the conversation even 30 minutes more. And what I should have done has been like, yo, read the book. Now to his credit afterwards, I was just like, listen, man, you know, if you want to do the and and he ended up reaching back out. I think he actually listened to a podcast episode and he was like, looking back on that. He's like, yeah, I was a douche. And I was like, dude, it's totally fine. We all go through that. And I was an idiot because I didn't guide you the right way too. But there's some people that look at that and they're like, oh, you make somebody read your book or an article. I go, yeah. And you know what? I don't think that's a dick move because I, they're asking a question that I'm going to be able to provide only limited context to in, in the time in which we talk. And you need to do your due diligence. I mean, that's why people put those things out. And so now I just send people, I'm like, listen, I'm happy to get on a call, but here's three resources you at least want to check out before we talk, or I'm not going to be able to give you very good advice and you're going to miss a ton of context. You know what? Does that make sense, Carl? Yeah. I mean, personally, I think you're being a little bit kind in what you're saying, not about this particular gentleman or, or, or girl, but the fact is that people are generally pretty lazy. A hundred percent. And, and that's just the reality of it. And, and most people have this, I need it now, tell me, and who can I get it from? And I think that's sort of this social media age we're in where we just need answers and we need everything now, 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 and no one's willing to put in the work. And I, I'm, I'm not one of those people to think that, oh, we're, we're walking towards a generation that are full of lazy people, because, you know, I think that's, that's too much. Cop out. Yeah, that, that, that's a cop out. But I, I think that we all need to wake up sometimes and realize that the only way to really learn something is to do the work ourselves. Yep. And and I'm and I you know look I can be guilty of this often myself. And I was sometimes I'll have conversation with my my business partner and he'll just look at me with sort of just just eyes that he look you know sometimes he'll just look at me Carl you're an idiot just did you read the, did you read the thing I sent you yeah and I'm like, yeah no I didn't okay I'll do that Sorry. I do that sometimes too you know and I think that's what separates us a little bit right like with this you and I are two of the hardest people on ourselves that we know that's why I ended up in the hospital because I wanted to, to to kind of be perfect and and you had your own battles and yeah. I think it says a lot they're like I know there's times where I don't you know, I should do that I mean even when but that self-awareness is the key thing right and lacking that is just awful in all respect. And it leads to Carl, the rapid fire, some of the rapid fire questions I have for you. Cause I know I've taken a lot of your time and I don't want to get invoiced. Um, <laughs> so, so are you cool if we do, and don't worry about, uh, I'm going to give you a, a preempt here. So the audience, my, my favorite color is red. Yeah. It's red. Yeah. Guys, what I'm about to ask Carl, no doubt him and anybody else could go on and on and on about, we just want something relatively succinct. So like, 
you know, understand what you're getting into here. And, and Carl, don't feel like you need to explain yourself beyond a certain point. Um, what would someone who doesn't like you, like actually thinks you're kind of a dick say about you? <laughs> One thing, Carl. Oh, um, <laughs> fuck, arrogant, arrogant. In what way? No, because I can be, you know, because I'm probably very sensitive to my own time. Sure. I, I maybe don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm protective of my own time. That's good. And, That's and, fine. That's uh, what I got to say. And I think that can, uh, that can make me come across as a little bit arrogant. Sure. And I, and I respect that. Tell me something that is true, but that almost nobody agrees with you on. What is one myth that like you always hear perpetuated about the world's elite that you think is just hilarious, whether it's about a habit they have, a viewpoint they have, or just something that you hear like, oh, I heard Elon Musk does this, or I heard the president does this. Like, what is just like uh, something that people might be surprised to know about the world's elite? You know, it's funny you said that. I, I um, One thing that just comes to, you know, what I think about a lot is um, that, you know, they're just, they just kind of want to be happy. They're just pretty sort of, they, no one really wakes up in the morning thinking about anything else that, okay, how do we, how do we become happy today? And, you know, just, we know about these elite people because of their work, because that's how most people today seek their fulfillment. It's through their work, it's through their dues to society. But, you know, I think most people, I haven't met anyone who's extremely high achieving, does not you know, that you and I and probably everyone on this phone, uh, on this podcast could not relate to in some way, shape or form. Uh, I think you'd be surprised how normal they are. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is interesting. I think that is because we have, we almost have to have this belief or way of being like, yeah, well, this person's so far above us and, and this yeah. and that, and they think they have these more, the right, like there's been this prevalence of the morning ritual. Oh my God. It's just bullshit. All of it. My perfect. So yeah, they get up four thirty in the morning. No, they don't. Okay, they sleep in sometimes. Sometimes they're hungover. Sometimes they have a shit day. Sometimes they <laughs> argue with their wife. They have diarrhea in the morning too. Man, it just doesn't. They're no different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and it's 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 just a myth. And it, and unfortunately, it's a myth that we're creating ourselves. We're making these godlike figures out of people who fail plenty themselves don't get me wrong they're smart they're good etc 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 but you know they fail plenty yeah and not, there's not enough stories about when very successful people have failed because that's just not compelling well and that's that leads into my final question for you carl is you know a big reason you know on this podcast when i first started the podcast people were like oh are you gonna basically ask me if I'm going to interview the same people that you hear on every major podcast, right? Like people always want you to go for the big guns right away. And I said, you know what? I kind of want to create an, uh, a podcast for the every man or woman, people that kind of have this blue collar thing and they don't get a chance to tell their story much. And, and that doesn't mean we don't, won't ever interview. Obviously we're interviewing people like yourself, uh, even though you don't have a super public profile, like if people only knew, right. But like, uh, what is something on the other hand, the world's elite, meaning in, in that context, right? Like all those people could actually learn from the average Joe. What's something that like just the person that, 
you know, every day doesn't think they have anything to offer, kind of ho-hum, you know, nine to five, whatever, like however people want to depict that. What's something that actually the world's elite need to be reminded of that the average Joe does really well? That's Just real, Yeah, real life struggle. I mean, real day-to-day struggle that I think you do lose a little bit with success and wealth. Not the, not the interpersonal struggle, but, you know, the concept of having to go into a supermarket and, and being able to be a bit choosy about what food you're going to have. Being able to consider, financially, I think it's a big part of this, and being able to consider, well, I can't actually go to dinner tonight because it's not in my budget. And I think that there's, a, there's an elite out there that forget about how most of the world live. And they, they, re, they remind themselves every, every twice a year at charity events, but then they forget about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are elite-ish people who forget about what normal day-to-day people deal with. I think that's a perfect, yeah. I think that's a perfect answer. I mean, just like, so when I, when I hired on some help, they're like, hey, you don't have to do these three things. I can do those for you. And I go, no, I never want to forget what it's like to do those three things. Or like, I don't want to lose that skill. And I, I'm certainly nowhere near the freaking world's elite. I do almost all this stuff on my own. But like, uh, there's just certain things I won't delegate. And sometimes that's a huge weakness. And sometimes that's just like, I even know if I was a billionaire, I'm like, I'm not going to delegate that because I always wanted, I would always have to have a hand in that certain parts of my business or my day to day. And so I think what you gave there is a phenomenal answer. Anything else you want to add now that you survived the, the quick fire round? <laughs> no, I, I think that, um, I think that, you know, this, this, I, I just want to say again, and I'm, I think I speak in somewhat from authority here that there are, high achievers, super successful people, people that we all know on TV, et cetera. You'd be surprised about what sort of normal, unnormal they are and how vulnerable they are and how normal shit they deal with. And, you know, the persona that we see uh, on social media and TV and however, whatever forum you see them through, is not necessarily a good representation of what they are in real life, day to day, and even in business. And I could mention names that would shock people when I say that he or she just isn't that impressive. And the fact that he or she is where he is, is where they are, could be a little bit of luck, a little bit of family, a little bit of name, et cetera, et cetera. And I think if everyone knew that, if everyone knew that to be the case, I think more people would be more comfortable or, 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 or confident sort of shooting for the stars. Yeah. And you realize that that, that gap is not as, is not as huge as you think. And that's what I don't, I, that's why I want to make sure nobody loses in your message, right? Like what, what you're saying here should inspire people. Like guys, you're not hearing Carl shit talk, certain people that are successful. You're actually hearing the opposite. You're hearing him say that, you know, that like, these people have overcome a certain set of circumstances, but they're not an alien, right? They're not somebody no. that has it all figured out. And no. the underlying message here is you can do this shit. And uh, I know sometimes we hear that in like rah, rah type seminars or whatever, but Carl and I, the biggest reason we connect is because 
we just think that people are made better, not through rah-rah seminars, but more through like embracing the mess and embracing all that and failing every day and tasting your own blood and understanding the grit. So Carl, I, I just really appreciate you being so candid, forthright, honest. I mean, is this your first true podcast? You've, I mean, you're Illuminati. So is this the first time you've came out of the dark? (laughs) This is not only my first true podcast. This is my first and maybe only podcast ever. So, um, it's, um, I was very, I was very, um, I felt very humble when you, when you asked me to speak to you, Brett, and I, I appreciate it very much. And, and, um, you know, I, I am quite outspoken and, but I think the message that you just gave there is the true one is that I'm, I'm, I, I enjoy success and other people's success. And I, I just want to, everyone to know that it's obtainable for everyone. If you work through you know, if you work through and you work hard and, and people who are super successful, they're not, like you said, they're not aliens. Yeah. They're, they're just, they're normal, like all of us. And, um, and I think that sort of, that's helped me in my career because all of a sudden, if I can say this as well, all of a sudden, when I go into meetings with very high achieving people, I'm, I used to be very nervous and scared. And then when I start looking at them as just normal people like you and I, it's sort of, it's just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let me get you ready for one thing, man. If this is your first podcast and, and this is something you're going to eat yourself up about, I do it every time. When you re-listen to this in the car, you're going to be like, mate, I, it sounded shit. I'm not happy with it. And I think that attitude is what keeps people successful too, is they never breathe their own exhaust. They're never happy with what they're doing. You know, again, there's a fine line, but like, um, it's something I admire about you, man. And, you know, I think other people, if they have the chance to get to know you, I think they'd deeply appreciate it as well. Carl, given that, and I know I, I want to respect your privacy, but if people want to reach out to you, if they want to connect with you and, and guys, you know, listen to the tips he gave you here, you know, make sure that you reach out with a purpose as you should with every, um, every guest on the show, how can they reach out to you? What's the best way to connect? Um, well, I mean, I have an email. I think that's probably the best, best way to connect to me. Um, Good to know you still have an email, Carl. Yeah, there you go. This new thing called email. He's got it. He's got it. Got a new, uh, yeah, got an email. (laughs) It's uh, it's E E is for electronic mail. Yeah, I think E is for evidence. (laughs) (laughs) Always save your emails. Uh, What's, and we'll put it in the show notes, Carl. um, But, you know, would you mind sharing that? that Yeah, uh, ccoward at focuscp.com. Perfect. All right, and. Guys, please, as always, make sure to leave a rating and a review for the show. These people come from all over the world, and guys like Carl and gals uh, as well, like, you know, they're giving up a tremendous amount of their time. I know you hear me make this plea all the time. It's just how it is. Like, the, the, the podcast world is basically a search engine, and if you want to keep hearing this stuff, if you want us to be able to keep providing it for free, if you want us to be able to continue to provide you with a, a, an amalgamation of content, we need your support rate rank review the podcast tell a friend to tell a friend and carl thank you so much once again for the difference you've made in my life and no doubt the difference you'll have made in countless others that have listened to this episode oh thank you brent appreciate it oh you're still listening listen i'm glad that you stuck around for a little bit I want to make sure you guys know about the newsletter that I put out each month. I'm not somebody that tries to inundate uh, your inbox or anything like that, so you don't have to worry. You're not going to hear from me every day. I have a job and family responsibilities, much like all of you. 
But I do put out a newsletter that has helpful links. Uh, It'll showcase new episodes, new events. It'll tell you where I'm going to be and and what I'm going to be speaking on. So if you're interested, make sure to go to the show notes or you can go to artofcoaching.com backslash start. Again, that's artofcoaching.com backslash start. Join the newsletter. It is the absolute best way to stay up to date with everything. I announce anything I do there first. It always gets announced through the newsletter first and then social media and everything else. So artofcoaching.com backslash start. And again, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Appreciate you joining me.